following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? This is an exclusive presentation of Dallas Cowboys Breaking News. Welcome in, Dallas Cowboys Nation, to an emergency podcast. Not really an emergency podcast. It's just a joint podcast here on this Thursday morning. We've got Nick Eatman. Hi. Nick Harris. Hi. Nicole Hutchison. Hello. And I'm Kyle Yeoman. It's going to be a problem for you. What was that? Is it going to be a problem? No, Nick, Nick, and Nicole. It's easy. Yeah. It's easy money. Just point to us. So, you know, if you want us to say, like, so Harris. Yeah, right, right, right. Eatman. Hutchison. We'll make it work. All right. So, we've got a lot to talk about with the Cowboys uh, here over the last couple of really hours. Mike McCarthy just got done at the podium, his end of season press conference, and really the News started coming down yesterday that he will stick around for the 2024 season. He had a meeting with Jerry Jones, talked about how productive that meeting really was at looking to the future. And I know there's a lot of Cowboys fans out there that have questions, they want answers. And as we've alluded to, I think on every one of our shows at some point this week, those answers don't come immediately, but he had some answers up on the podium. Well, I mean, obviously, continuity is a big thing for Jerry, and you know, it's a big thing for. For Mike McCarthy, so I think at the end of the day, uh, they they decided, you know, Jerry decided that you know, getting to this point, being good enough, being twelve and five, being you know relevant to to get yourself into the playoffs, and then when happen, anything can happen at that point. Obviously, the good stuff hasn't happened for this team in a long time, but I think he looks at that. At Jerry, you know, was he 80, 81 years old? I mean, he looks at this and he's like, I'm not, I don't really ready to start this over. I think this team is close. They're close enough. And we're going to stick with Mike. Yeah, it's coming from that conversation or from the press conference with Mike McCarthy. He said he had a three-hour conversation with Jerry Jones yesterday, and they talked about everything from personnel to coaching to, you know, what this offseason might look like, uh, scouting even. And then they talked about him as well. Um, it didn't. I didn't get the sense that they talked about his future. I think there was an understanding going into that meeting that they were going to figure out how to make it work together. And I, it, I don't get the sense that, that 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 was even really addressed during that conversation as far as okay, hey, prove to me that. You you should be the head right. coach. I don't think that happened. And yeah. he was he was he was asked that, and you know he kind of gave his his way around his little coach speak. But I don't think that was ever addressed in that uh, in that meeting based off what McCarthy said today. But I think moving forward, there's definitely going to be a sense of urgency, like you like you mentioned. I I asked him about how much change you anticipate this offseason. He said it's still pretty early, can't really tell. Uh, there's going to be quite a bit of change. You're looking at 16 free agents. That's over a fourth of the roster. Um, you're looking at big key pieces in those free agents as well. Tyron Smith, Jonathan Hankins. George Jordan Lewis, Devon Gilmore, and then you look at the draft. What they what they will try to do there, and I mentioned this on on the draft show this morning. I think they will be as aggressive as we've seen under Mike McCarthy this offseason. I mean, you think they were, they were aggressive last offseason, trading for Stephon Gilmore and Brandon Cooks? I, I think they could one up that this offseason. But yeah, the urgency is there, and I think you feel that from Mike McCarthy. You feel that from what he said about his conversation with Dak Prescott on Monday as well, um, uh, talking about with his with his exit interview, and they want to win, and he said. Dak Prescott is part of the solution. He's going to figure it out. He's going to be the reason that they do get to that ultimate ultimate uh, uh, pinnacle. Um, but um, yeah, uh, the urgency is there with everybody in the building. Well, dang, Nick, go ahead and take all the freaking yeah. summarizations <laughs> from the press like conference. It. No, I'm just playing. Uh, but no, one thing that I took away from um, the press conference with McCarthy was that um, 
he was kind of holding back some emotion. I don't know if you guys could kind of tell that. Uh, so I know that he knows that that sense of urgency is there. But uh, when Jane Slater from NFL Network asked, you know, the question of, you know, a lot of fans are asking, why should we buy into this organization? Why should we buy into this franchise, considering the past history that they've had? Um, and she said, why should we? Why should people buy back into you? And he said that, you know, I believe in the direction that we're going. I came here to win a championship. So I think that he understands that next year, this final year of his deal, he's, he's got to get it done. You know, it's interesting you bring up that quote. That was where I was headed yeah. as well. Because when you look at Mike McCarthy and what he's done in the regular season, 42 wins, mm-hmm. 25 losses, he's had a phenomenal regular season record. And that's even after 2020 was a mess in the regular season. 12 and 5, 12 and 5, 12 and 5. Yeah. That doesn't happen by chance in the NFL. But he was brought in to win championships. Mm-hmm. He was brought in to go deep into the playoffs. Uh, Jason Garrett was here for a significant amount of time, never had that playoff success, but he won games in the regular season. Mike McCarthy was brought in to one-up that, Mm. to bring in that playoff success, and he's one and three in the postseason. So I get the frustration, and, and he didn't shy away from that. That's what I respected about what Mike said today. He said... I, I'm looking inward just as much as I'm looking at, at those around and, and making making sure that we're building the right direction. But he also said that it, it has been a heightened emotion and it has been a heightened frustration because they didn't live up to the standard in which they had set throughout the regular season, and that's something that he's looking forward yeah. to. But I, I like the way he answered that question and, and really addressed, I'm here to win championships, yeah. I'm here to win, I'm not here to win NFC East titles. Yeah, I kind of have a problem when people say that, though, like that – he was brought in to win championships and and you know or he has to go deep in the playoffs sure. and he hasn't done it i mean i understand that 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 is true but you know you you can't get to the playoffs at 6 and 10 like like you have to mm-hmm. to to get i mean he was brought in to to get a better record than what jason garrett had done i sure. mean he was he was improved the team mm-hmm. you've got experience you've been here improved the team which he's done so now the next step is that. I mean, and, and the next step is certainly going deeper in the playoffs. But he has done some of it of get this team better than what it is. And, and it is. It's a better football team. And it has been, you know, we've seen three, eight, and eight seasons before. Now we're seeing three, 12, and fives. But if you didn't take the next step, you know, I mean, he, he had to have a, a 12 and five season to, to get to this point. I think sure. we were all a little bit surprised. Mm-hmm. That he could lose in the first round and still be here. But it was because of the success they had, I think, to get there. Well, and I, I think just playing off of that, it, I don't think bringing him in to win championships is probably the, the that's the easy way to say it. Right. Every coach is brought in to win championships. Right, right, right. You, you yeah. hire a coach because you think they're the answer for your team. Going off of his experience. But though. going off yeah. of the pedigree that he yeah. came in. <clears throat> He had playoff success. Yeah. He had been to NFC Championship games. He had won the Super Bowl with Green Bay. That was the calling card for when they hired Mike McCarthy. Mm-hmm. That's what the expectation is when you hire him as a Dallas Cowboy as well. And it just hasn't been there for him. So I get the questions, and I agree, I agree with you completely. I think we're on the same page. Yeah. It, you got to get there first mm-hmm. and then have success. And I mean, he could very quickly turn the one and three in the postseason into a four and three or a five and three very quickly if he has that success. That's a long way down the road, and I know nobody wants to hear that, five but it's three. true. Yeah. That's how it goes. Someone actually asked, I think it was John who asked about, you know, you won in Green Bay the Super Bowl in year five. Do you think you can get it done uh, next year? And he kind of chuckled and said, yeah. I mean, I think he doesn't really have a choice now. This is last year on his yeah, deal. he's got to say that. <laughs> he's got to say that. Uh, but one thing I, I kind of didn't really like um, was 
somewhat a sense of lack of accountability, if that makes sense, about what happened on Sunday. Um, and it was just solely focused on the offense and how he said that I feel like we just started too fast. We're a team that kind of thrives off the big play. Um, but I think that right there with that question being asked, it should have just been like, you know, we all didn't show up. Yeah. Because, you know, we all didn't show up. Um, defense, offense, special teams. Uh, so I think that that's something that McCarthy should do moving forward is just take more accountability as far as figuring out the real problem. I know it's still fresh. He kind of mentioned that. It's still numb. Everybody's still numb um, and feeling the emotions. But I think that's something that this team's really got to do as well. When he started talking about the exit interviews mm-hmm. and what – his message was to Dak Prescott. And he said, I, I think you mentioned it a moment ago, he said, I, th- I believe Dak is the answer. Mm-hmm. That was his quote. Do you think every one of those exit interviews were about the same height? Or do you think it was a little bit more up and down? Because Nicole's alluding to it. Can't point fingers at one person. Yeah. A little bit of everybody deserved a it's hand a in this loss. But Nick, just based off of the answers, where do you feel like he lies? Um, are you asking more so about the entirety of the exit interviews yeah. over the week and how they kind of compare to Dak. Sure. Um, I, I think with Dak specifically, I mean, this this McCarthy's job was kind of built around him as a play caller this year. It was built around Dak Prescott and what he can do as the quarterback. And they built this offense around Dak's language. That was the thing that was being thrown out so much during training camp and in the preseason. And those two succeeded together. I, I think by all accounts, you could look at the regular season and what they accomplished. You'd be like, okay, Dak's going to have a podium MVP finish. They got back to a 12-5 and season without Kellen Morris, the offensive coordinator. They brought in a whole new system. It worked. You see what it did for CD Lamb, but you're still at that same exact threshold as far as getting getting further. So it's it's uh, they're paired together. And you go back to what Dak said post game after um, after the loss to Green Bay, and when people were speculating about Mike McCarthy's job, he's like, okay, put me on the hot seat too. And that's it's it's valid because both of those guys are intertwined together. Their relationship has grown. I think with those two, there's always going to be more substance to their conversations because I, I, their their statuses are dependent on each other. Yeah, I mean this. You know, when I think about next year, I just think that's tough. It, it was tough this year. It was tough to get people, you know, with any kind of success. It was always like, well, you know, what happens when they play San Francisco? What happens when they get to the playoffs? What happens? And that's going to be heightened. Oh, it's going to even be worse now. I mean, they, they really can't do anything uh, with, with even if they have a lot of success. And there's going to be a lot of hesitation on that. And, you know, to go to that, that question about buying in, I mean, should the fans buy in? You know, I kind of chuckle at that too because the fans have bought in. I mean, like most yeah. of these fans are invested. I mean, you're already there. You're, you're invested. I mean, whether you say it or not, whether you say I'm done, I'm, I'm never. You know, you, you've been through worse. That's the thing. The fans that say I've I've been here for 40 years and I'm done. Well, <laughs> you've gone through a lot more crap than this. Mm-hmm. You know, and so um, I, I yeah, I get I get the frustration. I totally understand it. You know, but but this whole enough is enough. I mean, no. Because that's what football fans. You'll be back. You'll be back next year. And I mean, that's that's just the way the way it rolls. It, it, call them out. Why don't you? No, I'm, I'm just saying. But that's that's the way it is. I, it I've, is. I've been there. I mean, I'm, I'm there. We're all fans of teams. I mean, you get frustrated, and then you know, I, I guarantee there's fans that are like, "Man, I I don't care. I don't care about this team. Who are we drafting? Yeah, 
Because then, you know, well, if we get this guy, we get this guy back. I mean, and that's it. They just suck I've you seen right it back in, in. I've seen it in my mentions today sure. with the draft show. It's like, all right, one of them is, who are we drafting to fix this thing? Where are we going here yeah, to yeah. do this, that, and the other? And then there's the other responses. like, it's too early. I don't want to talk about this. It doesn't it. matter. Like, there's all those, and too. I, I, let me say, I'm not trying to patronize the fans for, like, having that attitude. And, you know, being like, oh, yeah, you'll be back. But... It, it is the cycle of things. It is the way it, it, it's. You've been through worse than this. Um, you know this is a good football team. That's the thing. It's a good football team, but good football teams don't make the Super Bowl. They don't. The great teams have to make it. You got to get on a great run. So they got to figure out how to get from good to great. Yeah, that's the number one issue this year. Get from good to great. Uh, if you want to give us a text, eight one seven two nine zero three two nine eight. The text line is open. We'll answer some of your questions throughout. We're going to go for the entire hour here inside the SWBC studios, and uh, we'll have a, a different trio come in here in a moment. Mickey Spagnola, Amber Garcia, Patrick Nosey Walker will jo- join the show as well. We're going to go for a little bit here. I want to start on the offensive side of the football, though. We just talked a little bit about Dak Prescott, and uh, we've talked about it a little bit on the draft show, and I'm, I'm interested to see what Nicole and Nick think about this as well. With the way that Mike McCarthy had an emphasis going into this season of running the football, we're going to be a run-heavy team. And then you turn into a team that finishes 16th in the NFL in running, uh, rushing yards per game. You don't really have an effective ground game at all. You have two guys that you believe in and uh, believed in, in, in Rico Dowdle, Tony Pollard. And neither one of them really had the year that you anticipated. Where do you feel like they go? Do they beef up up front? Do they make some moves to try and fix the offensive line that has three All-Pros on it, apparently? Both. I mean, I mean or do you try and, and look elsewhere at the running back position? How do you run the football effectively on offense. Yes. I'm going to go with what I said on, I think it was Monday. Uh, yes. I mean, you have to beef up that offensive line, but I, I think you've got to find a back who can run the football effectively. Um, and like I mentioned on Monday, love TP, but uh, I, I don't think he showed enough, even when the offensive line was up to par, when they were healthy. Um, so I think that's where you start. But I know everybody else is probably going to say offensive line. Uh, but it's I know both. that. I mean, it's yeah. a little bit of both. It's sure. a little bit of both. Uh, and Mark, that's something that uh, McCarthy even addressed. He said that we were below the line mm-hmm. um, on running the football and defending the run. Uh, obviously, that's something that you've got to look at when you go into the season. This team just needs to be bigger. I mean, they yeah. just got to have a, a bigger team. I mean, and, and you say that, you know, they're going to be run heavy, and they have a running back who's not heavy. I mean, mm-hmm. he's light. I mean, like, he, he's a light runner. That's what he is. And Enrico Dowdle, you know, I mean, he's he's pretty good, too. I think I think this team, I think the Cowboys lead the league in number two running backs yeah. on the team. I mean, they got they got a lot of guys you could put in number two. But you need a guy that could be the number one, number yep. one back. Yeah. The and, bottom in the league, having a number one, <laughs> right, right, and so you know, I think I think the center position needs to be addressed. I mean, he's it's, he's a free agent. I mean, I, yeah. I, I don't I don't know if Biotis is back, but then again, you got to fix you got to fix that. Yeah, I don't know if Brock Hoffman's the answer. They they've played pretty well when he was in there. They did lose to the Cardinals, but yeah. I thought he's played okay, but I don't think he's the answer. I think he's a good backup. Yeah, you got Brock Hoffman, TJ Bass also has been getting center reps throughout the season and in the preseason. But you also look at the draft, and there's really intriguing options at there some? in the second and third rounds. So. Yeah, second and third. If you can maybe – we were talking about it this morning. 24th overall pick is where the Cowboys are picking. You can maybe trade out of that, pick up a third. Maybe a team's hungry enough to, to slide you a, yeah. a second to come all the way back in. 
that's something to think about. They need so many things. You yes, know, they like do. you you could really you could have ten different positions. Maybe yeah. not ten, but, well, but six or seven for the first round pick. Yeah. Mm. On that point, I'm gonna just run down the unrestricted free agents. Okay. So this doesn't count the restricted free agents. There's no restricted. Tony Pollard, Rico Dowdle is a restricted free Actually, agent. Actually that one's it's, it depends on where you look. I, I've been we've been we've been, kind of been we've heard different things on that one. I don't know. I think yeah. Rico is unrestricted. I think he's an unrestricted for, free agent. I'm 90 sure he's unrestricted. Yeah, because he's off of his rookie contract. Is that still. a spot track? Yeah, yeah. But, it's his, it's a, it, but he was an undrafted free agent, so it should be restricted. He he uh, wasn't drafted. We can argue with this. this is, a yeah, bit. no, this yeah. is interesting. Okay, but <laughs> I think he's un, unrestricted. unrestricted free agents: Tyron Smith, Tony Pollard, Chuma Adoga, Tyler Biotish. Anybody there? I mean, Tyron sticks out as a, a flashing light, That's but a tough one. is he back? Tyron, too. Yeah, I asked about Tyron's exit meeting today, and if McCarthy kind of had a pulse on what his future looked like. And they talked about the season, the practice plan, how it worked for him this year, and that they're just going to take some time and figure some things out. So that's the list on offense. That is the under, unrestricted Pollard, free agent. Chuma Idoga, Tyron Smith, and Tyler Biotish. Oh. Enrico. That is the list you've got on offense. Enrico. Yeah, think, we'll throw Rico. Yeah. Well, he's a free agent one way or another. Either way, he's a free he's, agent. He's a free agent. Yeah. Really, it doesn't even matter if he's restricted or unrestricted because if he was unrestricted and the Cowboys wanted him back, I feel like he would be back. Mm. So, like, it's. Yeah, it's kind of the same. And, same instance and anyway. you're not going to give him a tender, even if he was restricted. You're not yeah. giving him a first or second round tender. And your original draft tender, he was undrafted, so you wouldn't get anything for him anyway. So mm-hmm. he's pretty much going to be unrestricted. Yeah. Um, Are there any running backs in the draft so far that y'all have seen? It's a light running back class. It is. It would have to be a day two type. Yeah. type gamble and i think it would be a gamble um you look at a couple of guys like jonathan brooks out of texas who's coming off an acl injury mm-hmm. so that's that's tough you got blake Corum, who's a hard-nosed guy but T- time out nine. time out would jonathan brooks be a first round pick if he didn't get hurt no i don't think so okay i think he'd be he'd be borderline second. second yeah so so there's some value there okay you know where i'm going with this <laughs> we do now. Say you that. know where you're going with we do this. say that though because you had you had B. John Robinson, who was a high draft pick last year. Yeah. J- Jonathan Brooks is not B. John Robinson. No. But then you also had Jameer Gibbs, who went 12th overall, which was much higher than you thought Detroit would take him. True. And so maybe teams around the league, certain teams would look at him as a first round pick without the injury. With the injury, it's, it's I, okay. I say that because we, we know what Jerry likes to do with the second round pick and get and get some value, second or third. But, but you know, you're always trying to get value of a guy that. Okay, well, he's banged up now, but you know if we can get him back, you know he's done it so many times. Yeah, and uh, you know I, I don't, I don't know if I love that theory anymore. Is it, yeah? Is there a pressure to hit on your second round pick? Well, if because... you're free agent, if you're not going to be diving in on free agency like they, mm-hmm. they normally do not, then you can't whiff on your second round pick, and you can't just hope that Kelvin Joseph and Sam Williams and those guys like Tristan Hill. Tristan Hill. I mean, he yeah. goes on and on. Now, I mean, you throw Trayvon Diggs in there. That was he's a, that the was a one that you've hit on the last. That was a five good pick. Years, Schoonmaker. Yeah. Mm. Jury's still out. Best pick in the draft so far. <laughs> Played the most. <laughs> Played the most at least. Yeah. That that that's the one thing that really hurts about this is like is like well. You know what? What do we have to look forward to? Like you know, we got some good draft picks that are you know, and that's the thing. Like that for this draft class was was as least productive as I've yeah. ever seen yeah. with a first round pick. I told you this the other day. You have a you don't have a first round pick. It's hard. You reach a lot and you some you've had some bad classes, but with the first round pick, second, third, fourth, yeah. I mean you didn't see anything from your third, not his fault. He got hurt. You didn't see anything from your fourth. Maybe his fault, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um 
fifth round, Austin Richards didn't do anything. Nothing. Deuce Vaughn didn't really do anything. Neither yeah. did Eric Scott, never played. And Jalen Brooks, just a little. Yeah, we were talking about that too. Jalen Brooks is probably the only draft pick that overachieved mm-hmm. from his yeah. expectations going into the year. Yeah, I mean, he, he had six catches for 62 yards. Yeah, it wasn't like game. he he went off. <laughs> the fact that he made the roster was over. He was there. That's overperforming. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a seventh round pick. But they're, it's the yeah, expectation. Their their eighth round has always been good. They're yeah. they're undrafted. I mean, Hunter Lipke and TJ Bass, Bass is the star of the rookie class. Yeah. yeah. So. We're talking about Rico Dowdle as an under, uh, unrestricted or restricted free agent. Same with uh, if Brandon Aubrey's a rookie or not. You know, yeah. he seemed like a rookie to me. <laughs> NFL is went in and changed that. It's the middle of the season. They they they're classifying him as a first year guy <laughs> because he's made money in the USFL. They're they're gonna have to go back and change a lot of things. They're gonna have to take some Rookie of the Year awards away from people. Yeah, back in the day that won it from the USFL. So. If they're really going to do that, they're going to have to, you know. All the way back. I don't think it's that worth it. I think he yeah. seems like a rookie to me. Yeah. Uh, so that's the offensive side of the ball. Defensively, here are the unrestricted free agents. Dorrance Armstrong, Dante Fowler Jr., Jonathan Hankins, Neville Gallimore. Four legitimate pieces of your defensive front. Do you have any interest in bringing those guys back? Are we just starting defensive front here? Yeah, just okay. defensive front. I'll keep going. Yeah, Dorrance Armstrong, I mean, second leading sack getter this past season. I think you have to bring him back. I think there's an in, there's got to be an interest in bringing him there's back. There's probably a value there, there's too. There's a lot of value there. Around the league, yeah. he's probably not viewed the same way that Dallas views him. Uh, I'd beg to differ. You I think so? I, I would beg to differ. The last two seasons, he's really put some things together. You pair what he's been able to do with his production based on how much he's been on the field. Like he's mm-hmm. barely been on Man. the field, just over half of snaps, and he's been, he's been balling. I think of those four guys... Uh, him and then Hankins. Yeah. You, you got to bring back Hankins just because he was the only run defender there yeah. in the middle that you felt even a slight bit of confidence with at times. If I'm Dorrance Armstrong's agent, and I mean, I'd have to be smarter to be that, but you know, just because agents are typically smart, he should be telling teams, though, my guy's the only player in the history of the NFL that has got over eight sacks in a season and I blocked a punt and blocked a field goal. Hmm. That shows value of. I can play special teams. I can also rush the passer at a high level. I mean, so eight, willingness to play special you know, willingness teams. to play special teams, to be good at it, smart at it. You know, anticipate, be quick to block kicks, and also getting eight sacks. You know, so that that right there shows value that I think a lot of teams are going to look at. And I think with those guys right there, Dan Quinn, if he does go yeah. to another team, I mean, I think Dante Fowler is the first one with them for sure. Dorrance, though, has to look at it and go, my two best seasons were with him. Yeah. So he's going to be thinking that way, too. I don't know about Hankins. That's where I thought you were headed when you were saying, I'm, if I'm Dorrance Armstrong's agent, I'm calling ahead to Dan and saying, hey, where are you? Where are you right, at? right. What, what's on your mind? Where, where are you thinking? <laughs> now, they've got plenty of time between yeah. we would know when Dan is either leaving or staying and whenever free agency sure. would begin in the first place. So plenty of time in between. But I think there's a lot of questions and, there. And then there's a question, too, about, like, are they are they ready to to go with Sam Williams? Are they ready to say, "Hey, get after you're it. the guy and defensive end"? That's scary to me. How much have you lost trust in Sam Williams based off of the special teams penalties and the lack of production from a pass rush standpoint? Just know it's going to happen. You yeah. just know that the penalties are there. They 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 just happen, and it's very similar. It's similar to Randy Gregory, which is very kind of tricky because Randy Gregory. Could be a really good player for yeah. you. Is it worth it? That's the question. Is it worth it? And if he takes that corner in his third year as a rusher, and maybe he's better than Dorrance ever was, do you live with that kind of stuff? Yeah, that's yeah. a tough question. I mean, there's a note about Dan Quinn. I want to bring up when we're done with this free agent thing. Though. Oh yeah, yeah there, you want to keep a, rolling. Uh, nobody really in the linebacker room. I think Leighton Vander Esch is the biggest question. And then who do you add? 
Those, that's that's linebacker, right? You're, you're looking at Leighton Vander Esch. Is he available moving into the 2024 season, which is the last year of his deal? I add a linebacker. That's would, what I would add. As you a, would add a linebacker or two. I would add probably or two four. or three. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think you're. And listen to what you're I'm saying. On. <laughs> I would add a linebacker. Yeah. Okay. Not a safety. Not a safety. Okay. Not a safety. I'm adding a linebacker. Talking about I, practice. Yeah, I'm talking about a linebacker who's played linebacker. He's built for to be linebacker. He's played it in his yeah. life. I want a linebacker to play linebacker. But it's also, what do you do with Micah, too? You have to ask that question. Kind of what Nick was asking earlier, you have to ask a defensive coordinator, what are you going to do with Micah? And then it kind of trickles down to that. Yeah. Yeah, because even when a domino effect on this whole team, you know, it really yeah. is. It's like yeah. you 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 think about it from a Demarvian Overshone standpoint too. Mm-hmm. Demarvian Overshone is a coverage linebacker with some pass rush ability. Where does he fit in if Dan Quinn's not the defensive coordinator? I mean, is he a true middle linebacker? Probably not. Like he's more of an outside linebacker type too. Yeah. So, I I mean, he could probably play the middle, but like you said, yeah. give me a middle linebacker. Give me Make a guy. linebacker. And go from there. Uh, Secondary-wise, Stephon Gilmore, J. Ron Kirst, Jordan Lewis, and Noah Igbenogany. Those are your four. The only two guys you're looking at are Stephon Gilmore and Jordan Lewis in my eyes. And it it seems really difficult to see a reality where both of them are back because where do you put them? Trayvon Diggs is coming back. Deron Bland is coming off of an all-pro season. Those three or those two have to be on the field, and so you have to kind of wonder who the third guy will be with him. Will it be Stephon Gilmore or will it be Jordan Lewis? It's kind of tough to see where both of them fit on the defense. I think you got to choose between one or the other, and if you choose to go with neither of them, then you're having to go spend a high draft pick on somebody or go get yeah. somebody in free agency because they clearly do not trust the depth of their cornerback room um they had stefan gilmore playing on a torn labrum against green bay and they adjusted their entire defensive scheme around it so they it's very clear that there's not a lot of trust in the depth there um i'd be surprised if both of them walk but i think at least one of them are are back in the building next year you know another part of this too is that if there isn't a new defensive coordinator you know who who does the defensive coordinator have you know familiarity with you know who who is the J. Ron curse of, 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 you know, when Dan Quinn came in and he was like, well, I, I know this guy I used to play against him or yeah. I like him. I like it. You know what I mean? So you're going to have that kind of stuff with, with players. When you look at free agents that are out there, you're like, oh, this quarterback's ranked, ranked ninth on the list. He's not that good. He's not going to cost a lot. But whoever they sign as a defense coordinator, you know, he was with them four years. So things like that. That's just hypothetical. But I'm like, there's going to be connections. Yeah to free agents that we don't even you don't even know and then that they're, they're probably going to be you know good players or good fits for the new scheme yeah. it depends on what you're looking for if you're looking for a guy that has made an impact on and off the field it's kind of hard because both of them have but as far as like with the younger guys just hearing from like deron bland and those like that guys like that uh, they point to Gilly um, and the way that he's helped them mentally um, and just on the field as far as their playmaking ability. So, I mean, in a perfect world, like Nick was saying, you'd like to keep J. Lou or Stephon Gilmore. But if if I had to choose, I'm going to go with Gilly. That's just based off the, the impact that you've seen. Yeah, the impact that he's made uh, within that room. And adding either one of those guys back into the cornerback room doesn't stop you from making an addition sure. at the cornerback spot. You can go get a boundary corner in the draft. It's a really nice draft class in terms of big, lengthy corners on the outside. But but let's just say, though, I mean, bringing Gilmore back sounds good, but he was $8 million a year this year. Yeah. What, $10 million? Because he played better. I mean, two year, twenty million. Would you take ten a big million? Slice of the pie. I'm saying, would you do four years old? 
coming yeah, off the shoulder that's injury. That's what makes it tough. I don't you know. can get him cheaper than eight, I would do it. That's yeah. Right. But if you're but if he's trying to capitalize on the last good right. legitimate contract that he could get in his career, I don't blame him for doing so. I don't know. That over eight sounds like a lot. For it sounds like a lot. But then again, he might look at the Cook situation. Mm-hmm. Like, if, you know, yeah. he, this is a good setup for him. And then with Diggs coming back and Bland playing like that, I mean. He could he, elongate his career, yeah. sign a two-year I mean, deal. He was never supposed to be the number one guy. Yeah. You know, and he was for like two or three weeks. And then Bland kind of, I don't I don't know. It's hard to say who the number one is because they didn't yeah, really. They played different They styles. played different. It wasn't yeah. like you had to go. I mean, he had to cover the top guys a lot. And he did a good job. You said you had a Dan Quinn note. Yeah, so I think something to factor in here, if Dan Quinn is back as a defensive coordinator next year, right? Okay. You're looking at the pressure that this team, but specifically Mike McCarthy, has on winning next season and getting to a certain threshold in the playoffs. If they're looking up at – the pressure, I think, starts in week one. I don't think the pressure is playoffs because if you start two and three, three and four, and you have Dan Quinn as defensive coordinator looking over the shoulder saying, okay, this is a guy we have considered as head coach at other opportunities. These are other teams have considered this guy as head coach. If things are not working out with Mike McCarthy week seven, week eight, Dan Quinn jumps in, fire midseason. I think there's also that kind of pressure that's added into the whole ordeal as well. Mm. If you have a former head coach that is that defensive coordinator, even if it's not Dan Quinn, I think that same pressure kind of factors in. I think the pressure with Mike McCarthy starts day one. I, I don't sense him as a guy that'll feel it, but it's it's there. And I, I think game by game, you could look at a random week eight mm. Broncos game. They're not playing the Broncos next year. But you know, week eight Broncos game. Okay, hey, if we lose this game, we're dropping to three and four on the mm. season. We got to win this one, and it's it, it's it, playoff games start mattering then at that point. So did you I don't think know, something the, to factor? Did in. you think the answer was was kind of weird the way he answered the Dan Quinn question about if he doesn't get a job is he coming back? And he said, "Yeah, we'll evaluate that." Well, he started off like, "Yeah, yeah." I mean, he's the most he's really high respected in the building, and then we'll we'll uh, we'll evaluate that day to day or something yeah, like that go through, the, go through the process go through the process yeah. and i was kind of like he definitely knows something we don't yeah well yeah it, it was just kind of it started here and it kind of mm. i think part of that is also he doesn't always he, doesn't it, he may not know anything it may not be his decision it, and it might not, not be yeah. that's a good point uh that's just kind of how it's been all right nick eatman nick harris nicole hutchison joining us here on this joint podcast we will have a complete crew change and we will have amber garcia mickey spagnola and Patrick Nosey Walker joining the show momentarily. You're listening to Dallas Cowboys Podcast Nation here from the SWBC studios. Todd thought it would be secure to jog in the cheetah savannah. Todd believed the big cat repellent he bought online was reliable. And now Todd is trying to be faster than this cheetah that can run 80 miles per hour. But the good news is Todd has AT&T 5G that is fast, reliable, and secure. And he learned the best thing to do is stop running and toss her the backpack with the beef stew. AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan and device. 5G may not be available in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. Cowboys fans, after that move, we've just coined the term Rowdy Replay. Let's roll back the tape. Okay, there's our mascot, Rowdy, cheering on the boys. And now he's on his phone, on his Bank of America mobile banking app? Staying on top of his finances with his virtual financial assistant, Erica. Bank of America's digital tools are so impressive, Cowboys fans just can't stop banking. Learn more at bankofamerica.com slash can't stop banking. Erica is only available in the English language. You must download the latest version of the mobile banking app, only available on select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome back into Dear Doctor, the show where I answer life's questions with an ice-cold can of Dr. Pepper. Sheila, let's hear from our next caller, would you? 
their doctor. My friend supported me during a tough time. But what's the right gift that says, thanks for being a shoulder to cry on? Okay, this one's easy. I say give her a delicious Dr. Pepper. Nothing says, thanks, girl. Better than a one-of-a-kind soda. Yes, any Dr. Pepper flavor will do. Now, just a reminder that I don't need to be a real doctor to know that Dr. Pepper is the one you deserve. They say champions are remembered, but legends are never forgotten. United Ag and Turf offers a winning lineup of John Deere equipment built to tackle any challenge on and off the field. Legendary John Deere tractors, combines, residential mowers, commercial mowers, compact construction equipment, gator utility vehicles, and a full line of golf and sports turf equipment. United Ag and Turf, the official Ag and Turf equipment supplier of the Dallas Cowboys. Visit unitedagandturf.com to find a location near you. Todd thought it would be secure to jog in the cheetah savannah. Todd believed the big cat repellent he bought online was reliable. And now Todd is trying to be faster than this cheetah that can run 80 miles per hour. But the good news is Todd has AT&T 5G that is fast, reliable, and secure. And he learned the best thing to do is stop running and toss her the backpack with the beef stew. AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan and device. 5G may not be available in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. Don't put off getting your oil change, Dallas. Take 5 Oil Change, a proud partner of the Cowboys, is faster than you think. There's no appointment needed and no waiting room. Yep, you heard that correctly. Take 5 is so fast, you don't even have to get out of your car. You can take advantage of Take 5's fast, friendly, and simple service at any of their locations across the Dallas area. And remember, at Take 5, you stay in your car because they're faster than you think. Take 5, the official oil change of the Dallas Cowboys. It's the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys, Jack Black. And right now, Cowboys fans can get 15% off their $75 order. Plus, because every deal needs a playmaker, your order will include a free five-piece skincare set and free shipping. The Jack Black Playmaker is four of Jack's favorites and a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Make a play for the playmaker at getjackblack.com slash cowboys with the code Cowboys. VIP. That's getjackblack.com slash cowboys with the code COWBOYSVIP. They say champions are remembered, but legends are never forgotten. United Ag and Turf offers a winning lineup of John Deere equipment built to tackle any challenge on and off the field. Legendary John Deere tractors, combines, residential mowers, commercial mowers, compact construction equipment, gator utility vehicles, and a full line of golf and sports turf equipment. United Ag and Turf, the official Ag and Turf equipment supplier of the Dallas Cowboys. Visit unitedagandturf.com to find a location near you. Into the Cowboys Nation podcast, I have now dubbed this podcast Cowboys Nation. That's it. That's what we're going work. Since we've got a, a it works. rotating cast and crew of the most respected, most talented Dallas Cowboys media personnel here at the Star in Frisco. Just finished up with Nick Eatman, Nick Harris, and Nicole Hutchison. Now we welcome in Patrick Nosey Walker. We've got Mickey Spagnola and Amber Garcia. I'm Kyle Yeomans. Glad you're with us. Amber, I'll start with you. Oh. I like it. Why not? Right off the jump. What's going through your head here over well, these you last know what? 24 hours? I don't like this whole thing. They should have fired Mike McCarthy. Wow. Followed by Dak Prescott. Wow. Followed by the rest of the team. Wow. 
because that's clearly what <laughs> Cowboys Nation is asking for. <laughs> All the fans out there, and I get it. I get the frustration, but at the same time, you you cannot make business decisions off of your emotions. Yeah. And I and, and I'm right there with you guys. We live through this. We go through the same types of emotions, but at the same time, you got to pull away from from this game and look back at everything that Mike McCarthy has done. There is a lot. I think the more I thought about it, there are more pros than cons for Mike McCarthy staying here and things that he has implemented here with the team, things how um, changes or or how he's managed the team. We talked about it and we talked about it on our show, Patrick, before on just how he manages the players and the emotional side of things as well. It didn't show up in that, in that <laughs> game against Green Bay. I mean, um, very, very unfortunate. But everything that he's built so far, you you do have to take a look at that and the new offense and how well and how much Dak was actually really thriving under that um, change of scheme in the offense. It didn't lead to where, where it needs to, but I think – there's a lot that can be built on top of how it ended and all yeah. of that and changes that can happen. I see that game, um, a very, not an unusual characteristic of the team. Like we've, we've seen them play so much better through the season. So anyways, my reactions is, is just, it's the smart decision. Who's the better option right now? Who are you going to come in and change it? I mean, if you're wanting it to hopefully happen now, quote-unquote, this year, this new season, it's hard to make a a drastic change like that. It's sometimes as simple as that, a pros and cons list. And Mm -hmm. I I like the way you put it because when you're making a head coaching change, it's not just replacing a name with another name. There's a lot that goes into that Mm -hmm. because then you go into staffing, you go into coordinators, you go into system, you go into practices, scheduling. I mean, it all changes. So where are some of the pros of keeping McCarthy around and what would be some of the cons of, of not keeping him around? Well, and, and this goes to my my reaction, and, and for those that haven't caught it, check out the science lab on the dot-com. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, way, it, it's a scale that it all had to be weighed on. It's the past versus the future. Past, because all of it's factual, you know, future potential versus past facts. The past is the Cowboys uh, and Mike McCarthy have rattled off 36 wins over the past three seasons. Uh, the fact is Mike McCarthy has the highest regular season winning percentage of any head coach in Cowboys franchise history. Those types of facts don't fall off of trees. I get it. You have the fancy names like Bill Belichick and Mike Vrabel and some of these other guys, but those there's no guarantee they come into this situation and get you equal or better than what you're getting from Mike McCarthy. That's kind of what you have to weigh it up against. Now, you're not going to hear me sit here and make an excuse for that abysmal showing on Sunday against the Packers. And like yeah. I said on our show, that was not a professional football team that showed up in Dallas Cowboys uniforms on Sunday. Make no you know bones about it. That's the fact. But then if you have to look at, like what you said, Ambar, Dak Prescott, before he had a terrible game on Sunday, he thrived. He was an MVP candidate and not a top 10 candidate. Not a top five candidate, a top two candidate up against Lamar Jackson this season with McCarthy returning as offensive play caller in year one. That was the first year back to offensive play calling for Mike McCarthy. So you have all these types of pros that you got to mix in a historic season from CeeDee Lamb. And then you look at um, from the Dan Quinn equation, you look at. Yeah, his defense gave up 48 points, could have been 60 if Matt LaFleur didn't take his foot off of the accelerator. 
disgusting display. However, it's also true that the Cowboys in the Dan Quinn era have gone from being takeaway thirsty to being the best at taking the ball away. They've gone from not being able to get pressure on the opposing quarterback to being the best at getting pressure. Now, none of this manifested itself on, sun- on Sunday. So let's be clear, because those two things are true as well. But I also mentioned in the Science Lab that there's a good chance that Dan Quinn leaves on his own volition to take a head coaching position mm-hmm. elsewhere. If that happens and you part ways with Mike McCarthy, to your point, Kyle, you are detonating the entire situation. There's no continuity anymore. There's not Dak Prescott had Jason Garrett, and then it was Scott Linehan. Move out Scott Linehan, Kellen Moore, OC. Kellen Moore still, he'll bring in Mike McCarthy. This would have been a situation where everything had to go. Dak's about to be 31 in the next several months. Mm -hmm. Do you really want to reset I don't think the Cowboys were comfortable doing that. I can make the argument for keeping McCarthy, and I can make the argument for parting ways with McCarthy, and that's what made this week so challenging because the pros were right up against the cons, and it was almost a 50-50 split. Yeah. My turn? Your turn. Go for it, OG. Uh, <laughs> so it's a good thing that the fan base doesn't run the Dallas Cowboys. That will always be true. Uh, <laughs> I can't emphasize that enough, right? Um, and look, it, I thought Jerry Jones did a nice job of taking the emotion out of any decision and mm-hmm. not reacting right away like everybody else, including mm-hmm. the media, that the next day you're firing Mike McCarthy for one game. Uh, and what... Uh, I think what no one factored into this whole deal that a lot of the regular season success, by the way, was somewhat of a mirage. Uh, Because if you looked at what happened to the Cowboys, and you can't dismiss this, what happened to them when they played very good teams? Mm -hmm. They got beat. Yep. When they played teams with winning records for the most part, and not winning records at the end of the season because when they beat the Rams, the Rams were trash, right? They were about three and six. They had a losing record. Yeah. Uh, Seattle, same thing. Uh, Now, they ended up winning three of the last four, but when they played them, they had losing record. So really, uh, to me, the only team, and let's throw Philadelphia in there too, they should have beat them the first time. Mm -hmm. Yes, Uh, And and then they went downhill, uh, at losing four of their last five, and if you include the playoff game, five of the last six. Uh, so really, the only team they beat with a winning record that was respectable when they played them uh, was Detroit, mm-hmm. and they won by one point. So here comes the Packers, and I know how they started the season, but they won seven of the last ten games to get to nine and eight. And let's throw out the bottom seed. Give them credit for getting the seventh seed. Yeah. They faced a team with a winning record, and they weren't good enough to beat them. Now, I'm not dismissing the fact that they got beat so bad, but there were some reasons why they tried to change the defense to compensate for some injuries uh, that they were trying to cover up. Uh, so having said that, when you got to the bottom line, they just weren't good enough. And we come up with all these excuses to uh, why they lost. Well, they didn't show up. Well, did Demarcus Lawrence not show up? Was this not important to him? 
uh, or they were ill-prepared. No, they weren't good enough, uh, and that's the bottom line. And, and so are you going to punish the head coach for not having the personnel to win this game? This game, right? Uh, so to me, the alternative were all these fancy names out there. But who are they bringing in? And as Patrick just got done saying, if you hired a defensive-minded head coach, who's the offensive coordinator? <laughs> who's he bringing in? You know, are you going to bring in somebody off the street that doesn't have a job? And by the way, the fancy names, if they're so good, why didn't they fix the situation they were in? Mm-hmm. You know, I keep hearing, well, Bill Belichick's going to come in and fix everything. Mm. Okay, who's his offensive coordinator? And if he's so good, why didn't he fix the Patriots? Why did they fall off uh, the edge of the NFL uh, for the last three years? Uh, no, Tom Brady, is he bringing Tom Brady with him? Probably not. So, again, he, if he came in, he wants to run the personnel. So everybody's happy with what Will McClay does. Now, if Belichick comes in, does he have to bow to the Pope of the NFL? I don't think that you want to go down that route. So to me, the practical thing was to go forward with Mike McCarthy, play this thing out, and give him some upgraded personnel mm. to be able to win games against teams that are still in the playoffs. I'll tell you what, what they did really quickly, Kyle. They split the difference. Yeah. Right. Basically, they said, okay, well, to, to Mickey's point, Belichick, wonderful historic name, wasn't able to fix Mac Jones in that situation up there in New England. Mike Vrabel wasn't able to get the Tennessee Titans where they needed to go, parted ways. And then Vrabel had this conversation with a couple colleagues. If you were looking to bring in Vrabel, who's your OC? You better bring in an OC. Otherwise, you're going back to the Garrett era. Run, run, pass. Run, run, pass. (laughs) Wonderful coach. Players coach, but run, run, pass. And the list goes on and on. So what the Cowboys looked at with Mike McCarthy, they said, hey, we know we have a damn good head coach. We just got to figure out what this postseason issue is. So we'll split the difference. We just won't give you an extension. We're going to force you into a prove-it year yeah. in year five, uh, and either you get it done or we're moving on anyway. So I think that was them the, the conversation of them meeting in the middle saying, well, we're not going to fire you, but we're not giving you an extension either. Let's play this thing out. I like the way you, you put that, and, and Mickey, you as well, because this is a team that has pieces. Were they a great team? No. You, you went 8-1 and one against bad teams. You beat an okay Seattle team that just missed the playoffs. You went 3-4 and four against playoff teams this year. Maybe there was a little bit of an overrated aspect to this team going into the postseason, and maybe you underrated what Green Bay brought to the table. I think a lot of people underrated what Green Bay brought to the table. No doubt. And I think media, myself included, nobody understood exactly what Green Bay brings. But the fact of the matter is with this team going into 2024, you can't run it back. And you did keep your head coach. So there's one element of running it back Mm -hmm. with a different mindset. Mm -hmm. Where do you go to make changes from here? Because it may come naturally with Dan Quinn. If he's going elsewhere, you're going to have a defensive coordinator come in. That's going to be an, 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 a change. Is it a good change? That's yet to be seen. But there has to be something to happen. Mickey, you mentioned personnel. Is that where your plan is moving forward? Is it just straight personnel being aggressive, making sure that this roster is as built up as it could be? Well, my first priority of business is to have more than one real linebacker on the team that works uh they're in they're in two tight ends at the goal line 
and the Cowboys are out there with six <laughs> defensive backs. Yeah. How's that going to work out? Yeah. It didn't work out very well. So, number one, uh, you know, once they lost Leighton Vanderish, they're out there with one real linebacker. And then we sit there and go, huh, how come they can't stop the run? Uh, the other thing that's got to improve uh, is the, however they scheme it up, how are they scheming up their running game? Because I don't know if it's the running backs, but both of your top two running backs are unrestricted free agents. Yeah. So that position's got to be upgraded, right? Uh, and if you have to keep who you have, how much you got to pay for that? Or do you just get somebody new in there that uh, you can afford? Cornerback position with Stefan Gilmore injured and trying to play him and cover up what he can't do with a harness on his shoulder, mm -hmm. you ran out of cornerbacks. Because the next cornerback that you could have put out there was Nashawn Wright, and obviously they didn't trust him to go out there. So now you changed your whole defensive scheme and started playing more zone than you yep. ever had played the entire season, and they looked like they had never played zone defense before. I don't know the last time I saw, and I think it was a 38-yard pass to a tight end, that there wasn't anybody within 20 yards of him. 20 miles. And he <laughs> caught the ball with his back to the end zone as he was waiting for it and scores a touchdown. So if they're, they're playing zone, somebody's eyes weren't in the right spot or didn't know how to play zone. So the cornerback position with Gilmore and Lewis, by the way, unrestricted free agents, you know, I know you get Trayvon uh, Diggs back, but now I got Trayvon Diggs, Deron Bland, and who? Yeah. So there's some personnel things that they've got to uh, address uh, in the coming months if this team's going to get better because you're not going to you're going to lose some guys. You don't want to get worse. And the head coach uh, needs some more ammunition uh, to be able to function, especially defensively. I don't care how good Dan Quinn is. When you're running out of guys and you're trying to fake defense, you can't fake defense. Where would you start, Amber? Well, to touch on the opposite side of the ball, um, because I do agree with a, a lot of the things that Mickey just said, but on the other side of the ball, I mean... Let's say heading to Green Bay, I think biggest problem to me was probably the lack of preparation, the lack of work being done during the week. Because if you really, really prepare, at some point it's going to pay off like throughout the game. It's just going to kick in because that's what you've been working on all week. And it's just you're just going to go into automatic mode. But my thing is, who can you bring from the outside? And I know they hire sometimes consultants to come in here and give their advice or opinion because it is hard even when you talk about let's say Dan Quinn everybody else on the team Will McClay everybody they're all in the same team they're yeah. all in the same room so it's hard to think outside the box or see things from a different perspective and it's also hard to take in criticism from 
people on the outside. You know, you're always saying we block out the noise, which is great. You got to be focused. You can't let all those opinions really mess with your your planning process and all of that. But I really do think that McCarthy needs some evaluation. Like, I agree with him being back here and being the head coach and still calling the plays and handling the offense, but there were many, many questionable decisions throughout the season that he made, especially at key moments of the game, like right in the last few minutes of games, things that you're like, what? what? Why did he make that decision? Like yeah. we're just watching, and we things that don't really quite click or make sense as to why he would do that. Also, another thing is I know the you guys talked about the running game in the first half of the show, which is another key element of this offense. You cannot always just rely on it being a passing game offense, and and. They tried, they really tried many, many times with Tony Pollard and getting it going. But despite everything of that, there's no reason as to why your running game should have looked so bad throughout the season. Like at some point, something should have happened. And that goes into the players too. I'm not putting all of that into Mike McCarthy in his decision. Players need to take accountability for that for sure. But um, I don't know. Right now it's just like, who can come in and give a reality check to Mike McCarthy and like do some really self evaluation there? You you bring up the players or you bring up the preparation. Preparation as a problem as a whole, and you 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 kind of gave the blame to both coaching staff and 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 players specifically. Is that on the job of the the head coach from here on out to either find more disciplined individuals on your roster or more dedicated? coaching staff, personnel to go back and forth. I don't want to call anybody undedicated. They're all dedicated on that side of the building. But just a better fit moving forward from a roster building and a staff building standpoint going forward. And and that goes to my answer to the question, Kyle. It's kind of twofold. One, being personnel, absolutely. Now, you're going to have some of these issues organically fix themselves. Trayvon Diggs will be back next season. We'll finally, you know, knock on wood, get to see the debut of DeMarvion overshone. But you also need to attack the linebacker position, getting true linebackers, be it via the free agency and or via the NFL draft. You need to get help for Damone Clark because Marquise Bell, as athletic as he is, is you're losing size there when you get into those power packages on offense he's a uh, and on defense. Right, he's a safety who was flexed out. So you have personnel issues that will organically fix themselves, but then you have the ones that will not organically fix themselves, like Tony Pollard and Rico Dowdle being unrestricted. Yeah, you went and you signed Malik Davis and and uh, Snoop Connor and guys like that to the practice squad, future futures deal, I should say. Mm-hmm. We'll see what that goes, but to Mickey's point, you're going to have to figure out the run game now. Does that what? Where does the O line come into that equation? And it's certainly not lack of ability on your O line because your O line, as far as skill set is concerned, is one of the best in the entire league when they're completely healthy and that front five is up there. So it'll be interesting, which goes to the second part of the question. Mike McCarthy today said that they'll start having meetings with assistant coaches and position coaches at toward the end of next week. McCarthy has proven time and again in his era here he is not afraid to say this isn't working. I'm going to pull this position coach out and reinstall someone else here. Look at the Mike Nolan to Dan Quinn situation. Look at offensive line. Look at running backs coach. Whatever it may be. So it'll be interesting to see how how Dan Quinn 
if he remains how he handles his assistants beneath him. Dan Quinn has some of the best assistants, Joe Witt Jr. and Al Davis and some of those guys. But something might need to change outside of those names that we're talking about, and we'll see what those what those are. And goes for offensive as well. Offensive line, Mike Solari, he's well-liked in the building. How does Mike McCarthy weigh that up against the offensive line um, the lack of performance in the run game for the offensive line. So all of these are conversations that need to be had. You talk about a war of attrition. You're going to lose the bottom third of this personnel group just by free agency, and you're going to release guys, and it's going to turn over. You're going to have more turnover on the coaching staff as well. Yeah. It, it won't be at the top with head coach Mike McCarthy, yeah. but it might be his number two, one of his number twos, Dan Quinn, might be out. And if he's out, you have a whole shakeup happening on that side of the staff. So now you turn to trying to fix it from the coaching standpoint as, as well beneath Mike McCarthy. So let's look at the common denominator in these losses. They couldn't stop the run. Mm-hmm. Arizona. 222 yep. yards rushing. Yeah. Buffalo, 266 yards James rushing. Cook. What's with the Jameses? Yeah, uh, let's stop playing James. Stop playing right? James. Yeah, we'll be all right. <laughs> or maybe get a James to run. <laughs> the get ball, a James. Right? Or a James or a Jones. Yeah, right? We'll be all right. James. Uh, an Earl, maybe. Yeah. James you Earl. Look at. Uh, <laughs> I'm out of here. The uh, the loss to well the first loss to Philadelphia they had over 100 yards rushing. Sure. Uh, Detroit uh, did a good job of running the ball. San Francisco had 170 yards rushing. They give up 143 to Green Bay in the playoff game. Surprise? No. No. Nope. Because that was the downfill, downfall. And then look at the defenses that stopped the Cowboys' offense. What was their game plan? They basically said, we can stop your running game with our front. We don't have to do anything special. Our front five, six, seven can handle your running game. And now we're going to play deep behind that, and we're going to put pressure on Dak Prescott. We're coming after him. We can blitz because we don't have to worry about stopping your running game with anything extraordinary. And what happens? That's what happens. So to me, the common denominator stopping this Cowboys offense was take care of the run with just our regular front, plays a lot of zone behind it, and then blitz and put pressure on Dak Prescott. I think we forget, if you go back and watch the whole game, he did get sacked four times. He did get hit nine times. And six times he had to run out of the pocket to prevent a sack. Now, why is he doing that? Well, not enough protection, and they're banking on if we stop Dak Prescott we can stop the Cowboys' offense. And if you look at all the losses to teams with winning records and including the game plan that Arizona had, they figured out how to stop this Cowboys' offense. And so they're going to have to counter that one way or another. Going to have to figure out how to run the ball better, and you better figure out how to stop the run. Because if we go back and look at the times the Cowboys are eliminated from the playoffs, and we can go back to 2018 Mm -hmm. when the Rams are still running the ball, and they ran for 273 yards with one guy right off the couch. Uh, you better fix that part of your defense. Otherwise, all the fancy stuff with sacks, maybe takeaways, you don't get any. They didn't sack. They did not sack Jordan Love once. Nope. And what happened down the stretch? They had five games in a row with no more than one sack in each of those games. And then they go in the playoffs. They get no sacks, three quarterback hits, and Jordan Love had the time of day to sit there 
He's tapping his hand with the ball, right? Just waiting for somebody to come open. And they're going to have to get these these um, these self-inflicted wounds under under wraps. Uh, look at their road record, right? The reason they were so poor on the road this season, a lot of the times it was the penalties and the timing in which the penalties happened. And I get it. There's a very, very fine line to walk between being an aggressive defense that wants to get up and get after it versus being too aggressive and fair catch interference. Too aggressive and, you know, running into the kicker, running into the punter. It's undisciplined. Right. So you have to the players, and this goes to the coaches as well, coaching the players up to this this degree, you don't want to rob them of aggressiveness, but you need to instill in these players, they need to understand w- when to drop gear. Mm-hmm. When to drop gear. And at what point in the game. Because if it, you just finally got a team to three and out and they drop back the punt, maybe, maybe, maybe in that particular time frame, if you're only nursing a three-point lead, just fall back and, and feel the punt. Just fall back and feel the punt. Because you might risk getting a penalty that extends the drive. And I'm thinking about Buffalo in particular here. That extends the drive, and guess what? They go down and they get a touchdown off of that. They should have been off the field. So self-discipline goes to it as well when it comes to This uh, wasn't just a one-year, one-game no, thing. This has not. been going on, Which if goes I remember, <laughs> since McCarthy took over, Which really. It's point. been an ongoing issue, and it really showed up this year. Um where, you know, you talk about those losses, Mickey, and, and you bring it up, uh, Patrick, where they could have won so, or they could have given themselves no, a better so chance right. to win so much yeah. more, so many yes. more games, yes. uh, including on the road, and they couldn't because of those self inflicted uh, penalties and it's just a reoccurring issue. I don't have the answer on how to how to fix it because we see it happen well we saw it. We won't be seeing any more this. Well, well here's, here's yeah. the thing, Amber, but there there's a way to fi- you're the, the most penalized team in the league. Okay? That's that's not gonna cut it. That's not gonna get you a Super Bowl. Okay. And for those that are wondering, well how do you fix it? There, there are other teams who are not the most penalized yeah. team in yeah. the league. Yeah. Okay. Your answer lies within whatever they're doing correctly and you're not doing correctly. So it's as simple as looking at that from that capacity and saying, well, let's look at the the bottom half as far as the teams in the league that are least penalized. Okay. The ones that are winners, who have winning records, who are playoff teams, who are pushing, you know, at least contenders at some point in the season. If that's true and they're one of the least penalized. Focus on that team. Look at what they're doing. And it's a copycat league. Feel free to copy how to not get penalties from another team. So before we wrap things up, I want you each to give me one element that you would fix first. The number one thing for this Cowboys team, number one priority for you going into the offseason, where would you attack it first? Amber, I'll start with you. Number one thing. Because uh, there's a lot of things here. <laughs> there's a lot. Way too many. And, Way and, too many. And I'll go first while she's, <laughs> go ahead, she's go contemplating. Okay. you got to figure out what Micah Parsons is. Hmm. This deal of him being you didn't like that he defensive end. Well, I don't mind that. What I mind is putting him at first and ten at defensive end against two tight ends and you're expecting him to play the run when they're double-teaming him. Is he a defensive end, or is he linebacker? Now, I know what he wants to be, because he wants sacks. He wants to be a defensive end. But is that where down after down after down he's most effective? You saw in this game they dropped him back at linebacker and allowed him to blitz. 
let him play the run, right? I think he's got to be a linebacker. And I don't. I know he doesn't want that because that's not where you get paid. Yeah, I was going to say right? <laughs> it, it, He gets paid for sacks, right. right? But, okay, I get he has 14 sacks, but think about the number of downs he played as a defensive end with his hand on the ground. He's not making a lot of tackles there. Now he's getting sacks, but does that compensate for what happens in the run game? And think about it. Without his 14 sacks, right, they only have 32 as the rest of the rest of the team. So that part of their defense has to improve. They get hardly anything from the defensive tackles when it comes to sacks. If it wasn't for Dorrance Armstrong, they don't have anybody else with more than, what did he finish with, seven sacks, yep. six and a half, so, something yeah. like that. And he's an unrestricted free agent. So that pass rush as a group has to improve, but also stopping the run. And if he has to be a linebacker to get double teams off him, then I think that's one of the things that they got to figure out. Is he a full-time defensive end, or is he more valuable running to the ball as a linebacker? Um, I would say for me, it would be the offensive line heading into training camp and all of that and like around the draft. I mean, you have two key players that are about to be free agents, uh, Tyron Smith and Tyler Biadish, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, I'm tired of going into the season playing like – Trying to figure out who's 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 healthy, who's yeah. you know, it's been a reoccurring issue, and I think that that just creates so many unnecessary uncertainty for your team, for yourself, for the fan base, for everybody watching. You have to find guy, somebody that that you can really rely on. I don't think uh, Terrence still had a great year, but I still believe he can do better. We got to remember he was coming back from that injury. Um, Tyler Biadish, we got to figure out what they're going to do with him. He had some struggles himself this year. But Tyler Smith thought he did a great job. Tyron Smith, at times he was real. Tyron Smith, what he does. Mm -hmm. But am I wanting or willing to go into a season wondering again who's going to be replacing Tyron Smith or who's going to be replacing whoever else if they get injured? So I think that's a... um, the line needs to be solidified once again. It's been a while since it hasn't, and it clearly affects your running game. So you're not big on Chuma Doga? As Sounds a starter, like she's not big on musical as chairs. A starter, as having no. to come in if somebody gets hurt. N- no. I, I mean, <laughs> I give him credit. Good job. I just for... wanted to set her up. You yeah. know? I, I, I mean... I, I give him credit for what he's tried to do, right. but no, as a starter and replacement, no, I don't want replacements right now. I want starters. Mm. And also, you, you, we were talking about the running game. Tony Pollard, um, Malik Davis, you got Rico Dow, Deuce Vaughn. These are all backs that we've talked pretty highly of. Mm-hmm. And we talk about, you guys, you love the draft. I do. And we talk about and everybody says how easy it is to get a running back and plug them right in and them to be effective. The fact that none of these backs were truly um, effective this season, I think it it all comes down from the starter, which is the O-line. And mm. I think that whole thing needs to be fixed. Say it again, Amber. You hate she musical chairs. 
It was fun as a you, kid. Yeah, you don't like playing don't that like game anymore, do you? Not so No, fun. when someone steals your chair, you're yeah. like, get on. Get no. On. It's like that Remember the Titans. You're not having fun anymore. <laughs> no, not no. At all. no, not at all. No. Um, defensively, um, you need to get back to dancing with the thing that brought you to the prom. Uh, too many times this season, and I look at Detroit, for example, you played excellent man coverage, and then on the final drive, you backed off into a soft zone, and they marched down the field yes, and put you in position where they almost won that game. Uh, you look at what happened against the Green Bay Packers, you didn't want to play man at all. Yes, you were trying to compensate for a Stephon Gilmore injury, but I will go out there and say that I, <laughs> I don't know – if there's a complete lack of trust in the Sean and Izzy, I mean, I know that I've seen Israel Mukwamu play well. Talk about wild card game in Tampa Bay against yeah. Tom Brady and the Bucks. I would have preferred to see a healthy Israel Mukwamu in man coverage, right? Um, trying to press those guys as opposed to a 40, now that we know it's a torn labrum, 30% Stefan Gilmore mm-hmm. in zone coverage, which creates a huge liability. So, Dance with what brought you, even if that means taking a risk on some of these younger guys at the positions. Offensively, find your run game. Yeah. You got to find your run game. Uh, I dispelled the narrative a couple weeks or so ago. It's not that the run game was completely broken. I mean, Tony Pollard still got his 1,000 yards. Rico Dowdle, when he had touches, he was effective. Uh, one particular game, he averaged recently when he came back, he averaged over five commanders. He averaged over five yards per carry. So, um, but that being said, w- what happened with the Deuce Vaughn? Experiment, okay. Uh, Hunter Lipke. Later in the season, they finally started to get him involved, and then the fumble, and it put him in the doghouse, and you didn't see Hunter Lipke get involved anymore. Uh, so you got to figure it out, and that goes to the offensive line as well. Not talent, scheme as far as running scheme on the offensive line, and you're, you're probably going to have a running back room that looks wildly different here over the next several months. So however you need to do it, fix it because there will be times where the passing game is just not there. The Dak to CD connection for the fir- for one of the first times in a very long time, it was ice cold against yeah. the Packers. And the off the passing offense normally goes as those two guys go. Those two guys don't go. Teams just start queuing in on Cooks. Well, now that Cooks is being removed, all you got is what the Packers gave you, which was Jake Ferguson. And shouts out to Jake, he did exactly you know his job on Sunday. But fix defensively, um, dance with what brought you. Offensively, fix your run game because sometimes your passing attack, as explosive as it can be, it'll have a bad day. And when it has a bad day, what else you got? Yeah. Well, the other thing that you mentioned, not only was Gilmore hurting, they had to take Hooker out towards the end of the game. Hmm. And I think he was still covering up for an injury. The ankle. He only played 38 plays. And if you go back and look at the game, third quarter, fourth quarter, he's not in the game. Yeah. Uh, and, And that hurt, too. Yeah. Because he had enough experience to be a single safety high yeah. to play effectively. Whatever they tried to do without him certainly didn't work. So they had two things going against him. But I go back to that running game, and I was just looking at the stats. They averaged only 4.1 a carry. Mm-hmm. you got to be at least 4-5. And I know that doesn't sound different, but here was the difference. It's a staunch difference. It's their different. longest yeah. running play, their longest running play, was 46 yards. It wasn't a running back. It was Cavante Turpin <laughs> on an end around, right? The longest run by a running back was 31 yards during the regular season. you got to have some big splash plays. The reason why they were so big on Tony Pollard was because he they got him in space and he produced big plays. Yep. But why did that happen? Because they were somewhat worried and used to the pace of Ezekiel Elliott running the ball, and then all of a sudden you bring in a rocket. 
and you're going, oh, I just took the wrong angle at mm-hmm. that guy because he's pretty fast. Well, they never got to do that because teams got used to his speed, and they tried to run him between the tackles, and I know he got 1,000 yards. I know he uh, ended up averaging four yards a carry, but I can get Ezekiel Elliott to average four yards a carry. Mm -hmm. I need some explosion in there, and they didn't have it enough to scare teams that said, you know what, we don't have to back off against this running game. We can hold it to a reasonable amount of yards. It won't hurt us. What will hurt us is Dak Prescott to CeeDee Lamb. And we got to make sure we take that away. And that's why the, the, the problem with the running game was not that it was terrible, because it wasn't yeah. terrible. It was that it was average. Eh, maybe below average. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll give them that. average. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I feel like 4.1 is average. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You want above average 4.5, yeah. 4.7, things like that. Effective. But the, to close the, mm. this argument out, the fact that you had to continuously. No, I'm saying you want it to be effective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm saying it wasn't effective. Yeah. Okay, yeah, the yeah, fact yeah. that you had to continuously over the course of the season deploy wide receivers to help your running game is quite telling of how much of an upgrade your run game as a whole mm-hmm. needs in 2024. Changes are coming. Changes are on the way. It will not be at the head coaching spot. Mike McCarthy is your head coach in 2024. That's why we got together here on this Cowboys Nation podcast. There are podcasts starting full-time next week, once a week for most of your favorite shows. 10 a.m. on Monday, Players Lounge, followed by Mickey Spagnola and crew. 11 a.m. Mondays from here on out. Talking Cowboys will go at 10 a.m. on Tuesdays, followed by the Draft Show. And then you've got Cowboys Storyline on Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Wednesdays, this is a fun day. You got hanging with the boys at 10 a.m., followed by the break with both Patrick Walker and Amber Garcia. That one going at 11. Then Somos Cowboys Radio with Amber Garcia at 1 p.m. on Wednesdays. Then Thursdays, they cap off the week with Girls Talk, Boys Talk at 10 a.m., followed by the draft show at 11. And then Cowboys Storyline again at 1 p.m. So that does it for us here on the special joint podcast of Cowboys Podcast Nation. For Chris Beam in the back, Nick Eatman, Nicole Hutchison, Nick Harris, Amber Garcia, Mickey Spagnola, Patrick Nosey Walker. I'm Kyle Yeoman saying so long from the star in Frisco. We'll see you next week. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys?